This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. I'm Elegina Lick. Hello, Hello, and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, and introduced this week by Ella Ehrlich, granddaughter of Kickstarter backer Tamara Glenny. I think with all due respect and gratitude towards everyone else that has submitted their openings and there are plenty more to come before the end of the year. I think that's our favourite so far, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it? we may as well call off the, the race right now. <laughs> Hang on, there was a race? Well, there is now. She's won it. <laughs> Absolutely There's the race fantastic. to London, there's the race to Singapore, the race to Milan <laughs> and the race to Kickstarter backer intro... Glory. Well, I, I want Ella Ehrlich to have her own show based on that <laughs> alone. She so. is great. And thank you uh, to both Ella and her grandmother, Tamara, for their support and input into this podcast. What a lovely way to start. We are once again in Waterloo Station. I've been waiting four years for David Law whilst he was finishing up his uh, commentary of Time flies, doesn't it? the Beijing final. Yes, I've seen so many people come and go. I'm on my third cup of tea. I've seen a lot of pigeons come and go. There was a lovely little dog sat next to me that I was considering recording the podcast with if he didn't arrive in time. He would have been great. He had plenty to say about right. things. Okay. He saw me, in fact, watching the Garcia Halep match with David Law commentary on my phone. He was very interested in that. So oh, yeah. maybe just loved the commentary of well, David Law and Nigel Sears. Probably. So, yes, you've come straight from that. I've been commentating for ATP Radio on the Tokyo final, which was won by Goffin. You've just seen Caroline Garcia, both back-to-back titleists, Goffin and Garcia. And we are currently, I should disclaimer this, we are recording during the Beijing men's final between Rafael Nadal and Nick Kyrgios. And how many minutes have gone and how many games have passed? We're, we're 35 minutes in and it's 3-2 first set on serve <laughs> Nadal. So I don't know what they've been getting on with, but there's already been, I believe, a code violation for Nick <laughs> Kyrgios. So, uh, you know, the usual. Um, he's been playing some spectacular stuff. Nadal's, it looks like a cracking match. We, we're going to try, or I'm certainly going to try, and navigate us away from saying too much decisively about this match during recording because the risk of us looking silly 
is so, so high, given that the result will be known by the time anybody hears this. Why didn't you try and navigate us away from that for the last 357 episodes? (laughs) This is quite good, actually, recording during a match so that we can get ourselves out of jail with having to talk about whether or not we predicted the result. I know uh, in the intro, in the build-up on Sky, um, I didn't catch all of it uh, because I was coming from commentating myself, but Miles McLaggen was picking Nadal. I mean, he's the world number one, I guess... You have to pick Nadal, given that. But I was speaking to Amy Cavaday, and she said, look, the fact about Nick Kyrgios, the enigmatic fact about Nick Kyrgios, is that his very best probably beats anyone. And it's, it's weird thinking of a match between a world number one and a, and a non-top ten player to think that the non-top ten player could potentially be the favourite. And I'm not saying he is, but... A lot of people think he is. Yeah, I, I would still hold the caveat that I think I've seen his best twice this year in which he hasn't won, and both of them were against Roger Federer. Uh, Ooh, yeah. The, the Lever Cup uh, decider and also that Miami match. That having been said, I do feel that Kyrgios could have won either if he'd have just held it together at, at the vital moment. So I think that they could have gone either way. That. What I'm saying to you is, I think that those are the two best players in their in the world at their best. I'm getting updates from my brother via WhatsApp because we do have the match on David Law's phone. We've got so many devices out at the moment. We look like we're sort of setting up a a, um, a sort of car boot sale type gadget sell off in Waterloo Station. We have two phones, an iRig, which is a device we use to record the podcast. Uh, two iPads and a laptop. We're so modern and we're strewn with coffee cups. We're those annoying people with gadgets in coffee shops. Is that why everybody's we staring are them. at us? Uh, yeah, but so we have the match on, uh, but of course we don't have commentary and we can't quite hear what's going on. But my brother informs me that uh, Kyrgios is very much turning the airwaves blue awesome. from China. Oh dear. Uh, so that's most likely what that code violation was for. He's now serving at 2-3 uh, and 15 all. I'll stop giving score updates, shall I? Because everyone will know what's happened. Yeah, probably best. Uh, so, should we talk about what has happened? Yes. Well, Caroline Garcia has happened is is all we can say for absolutely certain over the last couple of weeks. Let's deal with that before we get on to Simona Halep, world number one, uh, which is a, a wonderful story in its own right. But Garcia's achievement these past two weeks has been staggering to me. Nobody has ever done that before to win Wuhan and Beijing back-to-back. I know Wuhan hasn't been going on that many years, but still, you know, arguably that is an even greater achievement than winning Indian Wells and Miami back-to-back because there, there is no one-and-a-half-week-long tournament. They are a week long. There is no gap in between, really, and she had to come in uh, you know Beijing had started before Wuhan had ended that that's what it was like for her she won on the Saturday she flew in she yes she got a bye in the first round but then she played a really tough up-and-coming player in Elise Mertens in the first round overcame her she played three hours and 21 minutes to beat Alina Svitolina what a match it was who was fresh what a match I mean look such a shame that it was played so you know there were no crowd there Ms. Vitalina will feel like she blew it, uh, I think, because she was a break-up two or three times in that final set. She had a match point. That having been said, Garcia did not blink once over the last couple of weeks. Where's this grit come from? I know we're repeating what we said last year, but where has 
Gritty Garcia come from? Because we've known how good she is for plenty of time. We haven't known that she's this gritty. No, no. She, it, she's it, added a list, her name to this to players that have won a title this year from match point down. No, it's very exciting to see what Caroline Garcia has done this last couple of weeks because she is she is the full package when she plays like this. She, we've always known about her talent, but there's always been a big question mark over whether this is a player who could transfer great junior ability, great sort of potential into title-winning form at the very highest level. Now, OK, you could say, well, she hasn't done it at a slam yet. No, she hasn't. But if she plays like this at slams, I'm telling you, she will. Yeah, a lot of people... Have... She beat Simona Halep in the final today. Goodness me. And, and, and how, and how. And that game Petra in the Kvitova. second set where she saved nine break points. Yeah. Goodness me. Goodness me, yeah. I mean, I, she's, blown, she's blown me away. I didn't think, as I said, I didn't think this level of grit was in her. And I think, and th- this isn't a theory that I've just come up with on my own. I know uh, that Mary Pierce and Marion Bartley, I haven't spoken to them since this incredible run of form, but it was something we talked about uh, a lot at, in relation to, to Garcia and Mladenovic at the US Open. But I think the grit has likely, or at least in part, arisen from this feud with Kristina Mladenovic. And I don't, I get the impression it's not really an exaggeration to call it a feud. You know, since they split as doubles partners, I, I do believe it's been pretty ugly between the two of them. They said a couple of things publicly, ha- haven't they? But, I mean, I, I, I certainly get the impression it, it's not good. There's been this huge um, tussle between the two of them to be the French number one to get into the top ten. Garcia is now there. She's very firmly the French number one because Mladenovic has dropped off the edge of it of the cliff. Earlier in the year it looked like it was Mladenovic that was surging away. But I think it could be that bit of sort of unpleasantness which has given her this steal. Yeah, I, I think that could well be the case. I mean I think first of all the fact that Garcia went on her own route and decided to end that partnership that was quite brave in its own right because she she was a grand slam winning doubles player with Kristina Mladenovic now a lot of people in French tennis didn't like that decision at all didn't like the, the way that Garcia made that decision I think by a text message is what I heard I could understand that if it's true that, that was the element of it that went public I yeah. think the the um the dislike of the fact that it was over text message yeah so th- th- all of that blew up um the other thing that did happen as well is that the rest of the french players seemed to side with mladenovic and really garcia became an outcast she hasn't played doubles at all anybody anywhere since march now and but look at her results in the singles you can't argue with that decision based on that ultimately selfish decision um in synchronicity a number of the french players tweeted lol laugh out loud at her expense i can't remember what it in fact what it was in relation to something to do with fed cup wasn't it yeah but it was it wasn't it it did have maybe this isn't too strong a word it had a slight feel of bullying about it to me and as a result of that certainly people ganging up on her a little bit and you know i kind of feel like you know, fair play, Caroline Garcia. She's stuck to her guns, gone her own way, and now look what's happened. So, well done to her. Well done. Something else that's happened to her is she's drawn Maria Sharapova <laughs> in the opening round in Hong Kong. She, uh, in Tianjin. But, oh, in but, Tianjin, but, sorry. But I, I, I don't... 
I, I'm not sure she'll even play that now. The fact is, the, the way the standings are, she has now overtaken Johanna Conte. Pretty extraordinary series of, of, of points uh, yeah, that I she's mean, made up. Joe Conte would have been looking over her shoulder at Sloane Stevens and at Coco Vandeweghe, I would have thought, for, for the most likely uh, threats to her place in Singapore. She wouldn't have been looking at Caroline Garcia. Well, I mean, she would have been this week, but... Up until two weeks ago, I don't think Caroline Garcia would have been somebody she'd have been remotely worried about. No. We got the word quite early on this week, I think Monday or Tuesday, uh, certainly shortly after recording the last podcast, which was when Conta's early loss in Beijing was fresh. We got the word that she was pulling out of Hong Kong this week. We don't yet know whether she's planning to play Moscow. If she doesn't play Moscow, she has zero chance of qualifying for Singapore but even if she plays Moscow I believe David you think the state of affairs is that she'll have to at least make the final yeah she'd have to as things stand she'd have to make the final now Garcia has a choice to make does she play Tianjin and try to get more points on the board it's a lower level tournament the maximum you could get from it is about 280 points even for winning the title there and as you say she's drawn Maria Sharapova in in the first round I mean that's a rough draw as things stand, Garcia would need a wild card to get into Moscow. There's no guarantee that she would actually receive uh, a wild card. But even as things stand, Conta, who has no form at all right now, she's lost five I mean, matches less in than a row. Four. She's got Catherine Whitaker-esque form at the moment. Sorry, Joe, that is, that is the, the, wor- the worst thing I could possibly say. Yeah, well, sorry. I did see the video of your forehand, and <laughs> although I complimented it, Okay, let's leave that there. I, look, she she would have to get to the final to overhaul Garcia. If Garcia does nothing else, I think that's unlikely. Would she have been watching it this week? I don't know. Look, we 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 know It'd be torture, wouldn't it? We yeah, we I think we not. know that she. You know, we don't want to fill in too too many blanks here without being on firm ground. But we know she's the sort of character. Um, very understandably so. I think I'd probably be the same. But the sort of character that will be stressed out about this situation the pressure of this situation how much she wants to qualify for Singapore well and who wouldn't be well, I mean well, exactly. two years in a row this has happened exactly I mean what happened last year at the time I thought she dealt with it brilliantly and because she dealt with it so well I think maybe I underestimated the impact of that on her having to be in all those draw photos and then stick around and watch his nets of a sail in and take her place that must have been pretty awful to have yes. to hang around on the sidelines but I think at least it was but, new and she could think well you know well, I've had a great year, year. Yeah. this year she must I mean look she I must feel she, like she should be there it, I, I certainly think you know we all thought she was there I, I, I could not see this coming for a second nor could I nor could I but, but will she be watching it all or will it all be a bit too torturous I mean what I wouldn't watch it. I, I, to be honest with you, I think I would. I, I hope she hasn't been. I'd be surprised if she has. I'm sure somebody's just let her know. But anyway, you know, the fact is, she may well be going as an alternate again, uh, which also would. Do you be think quite she difficult. would, or do you think she'd prepare for Zuhai? I don't know. Because it's it's actually really tough. I mean, look, she's really tough going as an alternate. You because, often get because, in because Zuhai, which I think um, is a fantastic concept for an event actually and should get more attention than it does it's the sort of second tier finals held at the wrong time though isn't held, it held at the wrong time agreed um, but actually it, it's a real disadvantage going to Singapore as an alternate in terms of Zuhai yeah I, I just I, I can't believe anybody really 
is that bothered about what that? if there were yeah i mean yeah and i also hear rumors completely unsubstantiated but given age and circumstance and the fact that it's happened before i do hear rumors that there are question marks over question marks over venus williams participation in really? singapore well she's in hong fully, kong fully fully rumor stage so but if you're <laughs> joe like conta hearing those rumors it might make you more incentivized well, to look, go as an alternate I, I think you i think you go if you make it as an alternate and uh there's plenty in it for you you get paid you get to have a pretty easy week by normal is standards is it an easy week though yeah sitting there living the life of riley well, but would joe conta be living the life of riley no she wouldn't well there are worse things that you could be doing aren't there Let's be honest. Six maybe not. First set maybe down. not if you're wow. Joe Conter. Hang on a second. Four minutes ago or something, it was two all. Yeah. Well, it's not anymore. Six two Nadal. Goodness so, me. Um, I think she would go because quite often you do find players pulling up lame and unable to play. So Conter would get in. Should we talk about Simona Halep, the new world number one? Yeah. I. Lo- you commentated her being awarded uh, that big uh, bouquet of. Uh, roses in the shape of were they roses certainly red yes. flowers in the shape of the number one and she got really emotional I, th- I thought it was a really nice moment I wasn't expecting it to be that nice sometimes those moments are a little bit awkward and underwhelming for for whatever reason and it it felt just right well if you consider three times previously this year she'd been one match away from being world number one and in all of those matches she won the first set and she had match points and she had chances and it was just pretty devastating for her that she didn't make it you know she did a great interview with Courtney at the WTA yesterday after it and 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 said that she doesn't have to feel ashamed anymore and I thought that's a real insight into how much this means to it's it's her life is I'd say it'll be complete, her career will be complete when she finally wins a slam because that's another debating point, isn't it? You know, there's, a, there's I think, seven players now on the WTA side now that have reached world number one without winning a slam. But, you know, I, I watched back her speech having lost the French Open final this year and, it, you know, it's it's six months on and I, it still brings a tear to the eye, yeah. really, seeing and how there was, flawed she was. And there was a, in light of that, was there was a particularly lovely moment at the net between Elaine Ostapenko and Simona Halep. It was Ostapenko that Halep beat to clinch yes. that world number one spot, and she re- it was really it was a real moment of genuine warmth from someone who I mean I like this about her, but someone in Ostapenko who isn't necessarily always known for her warmth in, in defeat. Well, what Ostapenko does is give it to you straight. Yeah. She doesn't make it up, so you know that those feelings are warmth are genuine. I, I, I think. And, and there were a heck of a lot of them on, on Twitter and so on as well towards it, well, from other players. It, it does yeah. appear that this is a player, Simona Harrop, that everybody likes, that everybody feels warm towards because she's the genuine article. There's no acting with her. She says it how she feels it. She it, it's, it was pretty raw a few times this year, this year for her. And when she won, it all just came out how much this, this moment meant to her because... She described it in that interview as the hardest year of her career, but the best year of her career. Because let's not forget, Darren Cahill, as her coach, dumped her after the, the Miami situation with Johanna Conta. Because, and Halep holds her hands up, says, You know, I, I ha- I've had to have a psychologist to help me with this to realize that 
I'm not that bad. You know, I need to be nicer to myself. I need to stop giving myself such a hard time because I don't deserve it. And effectively, she was just being hard on herself every time it went wrong. She, she, she was, frankly, she turned into a little kid when when things would go against her. And she's she's stopped doing that now. So, or at least she's handling these situations way, way better. I mean, that was that's a tough player for her to play, Ostapenko, and she handled it so well. And I mean. The debate. Fair, she, excuse me. She she handled today's final with Garcia really well. It's just Garcia was was great. I mean, you you mentioned in commentary. Look, I know she went on to lose the set and the match, but after that game, when she had the nine break points, she held to love in the next one. Yeah. I think and you, I don't think she necessarily would have done that six no, months ago or no, a year I agree ago. With you. She she just started saying the world's against me really, and it was noticeable. Andre Pavel, who's her 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 travelling coach this week did not come onto the court once this week quite interesting that Um, she relied on herself but I do feel and she kind of admitted it afterwards that the the sheer emotion of yesterday would have been draining for her today that having been said look you know Garcia she's had so many of these moments she held it together that's why Garcia feels like a, a champion in waiting for the future as well. When did you learn French, David? You were translating the uh, chats between Garcia and her dad. Was I doing a good job? I was about to text you. I was watching it and I was about to text Why you didn't a you? translation. I was guessing. Because there it was. You were so. <laughs> I, I, I did. Before I knew it, there was David Law well, telling me what was. Thank you. <laughs> thankfully, uh, producer Rupert uh, in my <laughs> ear was giving me a few tips. I mean, I did actually learn immersive French uh, in a two-week stint when I worked at the ATP and lived in, lived two, in the Two weeks France. is definitely enough to learn well, a second language. Yeah, I mean, the problem with That's me what is, they say. and most British people, I've got room for sort of my own language and then a bit of another one. You so speak when a I, bit of Croatian. Well, then when I learnt Croatian, the bit of French that I knew was replaced by the bit of Croatian It's that because that space in your brain is occupied by Brummy. Yes, well, that's true. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. 
Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We should probably talk about Dan Evans because the ITF judgment in his anti-doping case has come through this week. I will read out some excerpts of it. Essentially, the bottom line uh, is he has received a one-year backdated ban. Uh, He's already served around about six months of it. uh, So he will be eligible to play from April of 2018 he admitted his anti-doping rule violation did that at the press conference that we uh, saw in June and subsequently in a letter to the ITF on the 26th of June provided the following explanation which was that out of competition he ingested a small amount of cocaine he then put the leftover cocaine first in his pocket and then in the pocket of his wash bag before discarding it the next day in the same pocket of the wash bag he stored tablets of permitted medication he took those tablets daily Uh, from April 20th to 24th, the date on which he provided the sample that later tested positive. And his expert explained that the presence of a very small amount of cocaine in that sample means the ingestion must have taken place uh, no more than 24 hours prior to the provision, which means the legal pills he took likely came into contact with the small amount of cocaine in his wash bag. um, And that's how he ingested it Uh, the way he did at the time when he was providing... Well, that's why it was present in his body at the time of taking... uh, of giving the sample. Uh, The ITF accepted that defence in so much as... Now, when I say defences are accepted, the burden of proof is on the ITF to prove that it didn't happen that way. It's it's innocent till proven guilty. Now, you can make of that... People will have their their views on that, whether that ought to be the case, whether the, the balance in terms of burden of proof is in the right place. But essentially, what it what the acceptance of that defence means, and the same applies in, in Sara Irani and a number of other cases, is that they can't prove that, that it didn't happen that way. Therefore, they accept that defence, and he has a one-year ban when it could very well have been a two-year ban. When we talked about it back in June, I think we were thinking in terms of a two-year ban, David. So I've got my emotional reaction to it, which is I'm glad for him because I like him. And perhaps irrationally, I believe that he wasn't trying to break the rules. He wasn't trying to gain an advantage. And whether or not that should be factored in, again, people will have their views. For me, that that is a factor, in, in my opinion, of the whole thing. I think he's been a bit lucky, but I'm glad he's been a bit lucky. Mm. What's your view? Well, Solly Hole correspondent David Law. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I, I don't want that element of it to, to <laughs> colour my view at all. Although, I mean, I do do know Dan a bit. He doesn't support West Brom, though, so no, well, he's not, right. he can't Actually, be that biased. I say double the sentence. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, my, my view, my immediate reaction was, crikey, that's quite lenient. That, that's what it what my immediate response was upon hearing that it was one year because I thought it would be two years and then he would probably have to go through a a process of reduction by a CAS or maybe that they might have have thought 18 months and then perhaps reduced it to to 15 or something like that 
Um, that having been said, I, I don't think he was trying to get an advantage at all. I've never thought that for, for that particular substance. I know that some people would would argue that it has some performance-enhancing properties to it. I don't think there was any intention to do that myself. That uh, that, that was my, my view from the outset. I should also say, having read an article by Mike Dixon in the Daily Mail uh, the, the following day, in which he said he understood that the reason or the, or the circumstances by which Evans came to be taking cocaine in the first place was that he was at a, a wake for a friend's mother's funeral um, who'd, uh, who'd passed away suddenly and recently uh, in April and that tallies with what my understanding is as well. Uh, now I'm always wary of of factoring in those sort of circumstances because should that come into play or not you know I do I, I just think that if that is the case and Mike's right and I believe he is right then that should be at least known by people um, because I don't think that this was just not giving a toss about your career and, and yeah. going out there and, and having a good time necessarily I think that there, was, there, were, there was more to it than that that having been said it's in his system I hence why I'm just surprised, really, that, that the fact that it's in his system hasn't led to a, a greater sanction. I, I, I'm just surprised. Question for you, and possibly um, a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. We can let it hang in the air as a just a sort of thought point, if you like, um, and nothing specifically relating to Dan Evans, but you said at the start there that your initial reaction was, crikey, that's lenient. When was the last anti-doping um, sentence verdict that that wasn't your reaction to? Well, that's, that's a good question. I thought you were going to say when was the last time I thought that, and it was Sorarani. Well, um, yeah, the, yeah, the last one. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I can't. I can't think of of too many. But then also, what, what's tended to happen more is that it has gone to appeal yeah. this did not go to an independent hearing for starters it certainly didn't go to CAS which and, I, and I, from reading the various accounts of Simon Briggs and, uh, and Mike Dixon and people like that the, the feeling is that they wanted and they were able to achieve a kind of amicable solution here in terms of the sanction i.e. almost uh, almost a bargaining situation where he didn't contest their sanction and their decision and they didn't have to go down the full route of it's almost like a plea well. bargain isn't it yeah in, in the american legal system so yeah i think that they I mean, have, it is a plea bargain they, kind they, of. they have settled on on that as, as a result and, I, and I, I suspect that that is quite a a factor in where they've ended up at like i say it's it's less than i thought it would be for him on a personal level, I'm pleased because I think that he he has a, a far greater chance of making a return to his career because you know where do you think it's, it's backdated till April? Now what's well. the first event he's eligible for? Well, it's something in April, but the fact is that he won't be eligible no, for anything to the top level. No, so will he get wild cards into British events? I've no idea. I mean, that that would be a decision that. I guess and will Leon he play Smith, on the clay? Would have to take. Um, will he? Will he make his comeback on clay? Well, I, 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 th I suspect that if you go down 
the, the rankings of tournaments available right to the bottom. You don't have to play on clay. You could you can find plenty of hard court tournaments in yeah. April and May, etc. And then yeah. there's grass court tournaments in which you can enter and maybe enter qualies of, of, of challenges when you've got enough ranking points and etc. I mean, he, he knows the guy, grind yeah. of the Challenger Tour, doesn't he? This guy it? it's has not got like from 722 yeah. in the world to the top 100 inside a year. Now, that's not to say he'll go and do the same again immediately, but he knows he can. So, look, he's starting from nothing, really, again. Um, and let, let's see. Like I, I, I've said, I, I'm, I'm no fan of people getting wild cards when they fail tests, personally, because I don't think it sends out the greatest message in the world. I, I do... I, I just... You just have to see what, what they decide. Their decision will, will come yeah. through. Yeah, uh, and if we've learned anything in the last year, it's that, that there is no sort of uniform, uh, uh, sort of common denominator attitude towards that. Is that everybody has a different position? And I could understand. And every, both everyone sides makes on their decision one, really. on the basis of, of, of different factors, commercial and otherwise. So the, fa- the fact um, that it isn't uh, performance enhancing, I do think, is significant. Or at least that's my yeah, view. Yeah, anyway. I. I I, that's my feeling as well. My moral compass points to this being slightly different. That's just my, my gut feeling. I understand why the rules can't necessarily take account of that, but equally, I, I don't know, Just it doesn't sit right if they don't. But anyway, uh, score update, redundant score update. Nadal leads by a set and a break. That doesn't read particularly well for Nick Kyrgios, 6-2-2 love, and I mean been seeing, haven't heard the commentary again, haven't heard what's been said, but can see the body language this is, this well, is I the can, I can give you, Kyrgios, isn't it? I can give you my brother's updates, he says Kyrgios playing big boy tennis but making lots of errors, Kyrgios blo- broken and imploding a bit, borderline tank from Kyrgios now, two double faults to lose set. Well the thing is yesterday when we watched him beat Alexander Zverev that was the very best what of a match. Kyrgios what a because match. Zverev didn't play badly he didn't not play badly and Kyrgios just had him for breakfast because he let it all flow he was loving the occasion he was he was showboating he was peacocking around the corner court hitting sabers you know attacking with he that was. he hit a forehand cross court missile completely flat on the full run that just had Zverev standing there flat footed looking at it. He looked annoyed so, what, didn't what, he at the whole I, thing. Why are you turning it on against me? What have I just seen? Look. Yeah well absolutely. Uh, and the and as they rightly commenta- a point, yeah. com- uh, pointed out in commentary you absolutely have to take that as a mark of respect because you know I refer back to my Guido Pella comment <laughs> from Nick Kyrgios yes. in Madrid last year. Um, and there's definitely no way that he puts Zverev in the Guido Pellet category, nor does he put Nadal there. But it looks like... I mean, I just think Nadal is amazing. Where is this coming from physically? He's not wearing any strapping on his knees anymore. Like He should be physically falling apart. Well, just a- And he, he's just like going from Federer strength to strength. at the end of last year, he did effectively the same thing. He rebuilt himself. He, he did, but... F- Nadal is a different physical specimen with a completely different style of game and I I didn't think physically he had it in him to do it this stage of a full long season on hard courts anymore and he's blowing me away well I mean I didn't think he did either but he has always been a more incremental player than Roger Federer and 
throughout the whole process of his decline over the last couple of years, he's kept on saying, "I just need a, I need a run without injury. I need to just build. I need to play. I need to." And he's not somebody you can just wheel out onto a tennis court and win a slam out of nowhere. He needs those two or three tournaments before. He needs to get some rhythm. Once he's got them. How on earth do you stop the guy? That's that's the challenge that all of these people face right now. Well, he's, of course, in the top half of the draw in Shanghai next week. Federer in the bottom half. Off the top of my head, team is in that bottom half. Goffin is there. Shapovalov has a wild card. Look at your and eyes he, lighting he's up. He's in Dominic Team's section, so just wait and watch as Dominic Team's uh, hardcore best of three-set record takes another hit. He's having um, a tough time, isn't he? Oh, goodness I, I, me. I read a stat that he's lost more matches on a hard court than he's won now. Yeah, losing record over best of three on a hard court. I know, again, it was something I talked about with Naomi Cavaday on air earlier, and she said he's playing the long game, and there's a balance between winning and improving, and he's still in the improving phase on hard courts. He's reached the, the winning phase on clay, and he's profiting from that. Uh, but he's still in the improving play phase on on hard. I get the logic there, and I, you know, I, she knows better than me. But I just I'm not into, I'm don't have the confidence that she does that this strategy is necessarily the right one and is going to suddenly pay off big time come 2018. You know, he's not a 19 year old anymore, and just the way I see him play on hard courts, it just doesn't feel quite right to me he's not making enough adjustments and I don't know I, I hope she's right but that's a that's a worrying stat yeah I think it is a it is a worrying stat yeah there's no no question about it time time will tell I think he's had enough ups this year to give him some hope but I, I still don't quite get the way he goes about his business so Kyrgios, it certainly looks to us, we could end up looking very silly, but it certainly looks to us like he is perhaps en route to a defeat against Nadal here, barring a sensational comeback. Um, he's still uh, done good this week to his hopes of qualifying for London. Do you consider them outside hopes? Obviously a win today would get him 500 points. He'll get 300 uh, for a final defeat. It's Pablo Carreño Buster in the last qualification spot at the moment. That's who he's chasing. Uh, Sasha Zverev, incidentally, of course, qualified. For, I mean, it, it was all all but set in stone, but it is absolutely, absolutely set in stone now. For me, the couple behind him, I think, are safe as well. I think team Dimitrov Chilich should get there. Uh, and it's the last couple that are up for grabs. So you've got Karenia Buster, Goffan is there. He was sensational this week. He's won back-to-back titles, nine-match winning streak now. He was so great in the final today, middling the ball, that backhand down the line. It it reminded me of, I think it was either during or just on the eve of the Davis Cup final a couple of years ago, Andy Murray talking about the David Goffin backhand and, and just how and why it's so difficult to play against that backhand down the line and how you sort of know it's coming all the time, but then you also don't ever know when it's coming. And, uh, you know, how just compact and and technically wonderful that shot is and yeah he doesn't have the weapons to his game that that some others have but he is in full flight he's he's really something to watch and he was today against Adrian Manorino who's hunt for a first ever tour title 
goes on. Uh, he was cutting a, a sorry figure during the uh, the trophy presentation. They kept on. He was stood there, sort of on his own, while various different people came and presented him with things, and then took them off him. So he sort of always ended up empty-handed. So he had to do a big smile with each item. You know, first of all with his plate, then with a sort of little check. It was about one one thousandth the side size of the check that Davy Goffin was handed. Then he was handed a watch, and then he was finally handed a microphone. <laughs> to give a very solemn um, thank I, you I quite liked speech. the Adrian Manorino request plea on Twitter, though, for somebody who could find him with the right-sized racket grip because he hadn't <laughs> got one. And he's you know, playing in the middle of a tournament and he's asking us, uh, the public. Um, so, yeah, Adrian Manorino, good run for him to get to the final. Six love, third set over Marin Cilic in the semi-finals. That was a weird one. Cilic couldn't hit a barn door with his serve. Um, but I think Goffin will get there. He's moved just ahead of Karenja Buster with his win today. Will Kyrgios get there, David? I don't know. I haven't studied the points closely enough. I think it's he's all got a pretty chance, tight. But... Quarry and Anderson are there. Anderson lost second round. Quarry lost first round in so, Tokyo. Points... I mean, look, there are still two Masters 1000s to go. There, there are. are a lot of points up for grabs still. But let's not forget what happened to Kyrgios in Shanghai well, yeah. last year. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that he's going to tank like he did in that match against Mishisverev. I do feel, though, that he looks pretty exhausted out here against Nadal Nadal's grinding him down and it's set in three love now so you know he's just got to be careful has Nick Kyrgios just that he he has enough left in the tank is all I would say uh, Shanghai this week what are you most looking forward to re-Shanghai this week I mean all eyes on Federer again how's I'm the looking back? forward to the return of him I particularly found it amusing watching him dance with uh, I think it might have been Goofy on the centre court. Uh, if you haven't seen that video, Roger Federer dancing to Disney with Disney I, I characters. D- oh. Is this a sort of full size? Is this a, a human man inside yes. the costume? You yes. love those. Oh, There's brilliant. a collection of uh, photos out there of David Law posing with various different oh, yeah. I'd have been there. I'd phone loved it. characters. But I, I like that about Federer that he just doesn't care. He do, he's not sort of into this kind of oh I'm Roger Federer I'm not supposed to do this I remember gets involved. Australian Open two years ago uh, watching uh, well two and a half years ago now on Kids Day uh, I was sat court so I'm, have I told this story on the podcast before switch off now uh, if I've already told this but I don't think I have promo I by was Catherine sat, switch off um, courtside um, with a cameraman watching Kids Day and Roger Federer always agrees to participate in Kids Day. It's, it's, to his credit, he always does it. And that was the year they had SpongeBob SquarePants and Dory the Explorer, who I think, David, you got photos with both of them. I stalked them until I did, yeah. <laughs> um, My daughter wanted to see So them. there was Team Dora on one side and Team SpongeBob on the other side. And I think Federer was on Team Dora off the top of my head. Anyway, I looked over and I happened to notice that the Federer family were sat to my left uh, and his twin girls. The boys were just babies at the time. They weren't the sort of blazer and and waistcoat wearing um, toddlers that you saw at Wimbledon this year. They were uh, babies, but the girls were, what would they have been, four or five, something like that. Perfect Dora the Explorer age. Their excitement at seeing, they were just... Go, they went when he ran out and hugged Dora the Explorer. One of them grabbed the other one and said, "It's Daddy with Dora," and it was the most adorable moment. And he was just 
lapping it up. He was like the most uncool dad ever. He was like David Law, <laughs> stalking, right. stalking Dora the Explorer. And and I'm sure he knew what joy it would bring it be bringing to his kids. And it was just the most wonderful moment. I mean, your dad's Roger Federer. You know, you'd, you'd think you'd be pretty nonplussed by anything, but still seeing your dad with Dora the Explorer was the most exciting thing that could possibly have happened to them yeah. in their lives. And I, I can equate to Federer's feeling of, I don't care if I look a fool. <laughs> My kids are impressed. <laughs> is that, what, is that what happens in parenthood? Yeah, that's right. Uh, any other business, David? You've, you've popped some pole... David always does the agenda now, so he can sneak some pole vaults on there, and you now don't even tell me what they are. Yeah, I can't you remember just what write, they are pole vault well it says halep slash sharapova i yes. don't know what that means well, what i did say and i know i did one about a week ago i got some stick for this for, <laughs> for it was halep's birthday she took 20 she turned 26 and i immediately said oh she's turned 26 will she ever yeah, reach gosh. number one win a grand slam both or neither well that that's that's gone out of date quickly well no it's just been perfectly timed uh, anyway most people thought she would do both, I have to say. Uh, the, but there were about 29% who thought she would do neither. Well, you're all wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I think she will go on to, to do both now because I, 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 she's too good not to win a slam for me. Is it If we had four women's world number ones this year alone, Pliskova, Muguruza, Halep, Kerber? I think Serena as well. So Serena five. for five? Yeah. Yeah, five. it's happened once before. I've I've read five um, in the same year. I can't remember that. I can't when was it? Statman Law. I can't remember, but I read it that it has happened before. So there we are. Uh, so no, any other business? You got no well, pole the, vaults. The only other pole vault was. I don't know uh, why I'm inviting. Yeah, thanks, I'm Catherine. This is this. good. I think finally you've seen the light. Uh, Sharapova. I was asking whether next year people thought she would reach a Grand Slam final, and if she did, would she win it? And actually, 70% thought that she would not reach the Grand Slam final next year. Interesting. What I don't do know think? what... You, I, well, I didn't participate in the poll, David. Will, so actually. you think she will yeah, reach I've, the final? Uh, the, the level she's playing at, I, mean, I think she's, she's playing very I've well. I've learned not to underestimate uh, the tenacity of Maria Sharapova. So I think maybe she will. I don't know, though. Yeah. Uh, that is it. I think we've officially run out of things to talk about. Unfortunately, Nadal hasn't got the job done while we've been talking, but we can't just keep sitting here chatting amongst ourselves, waiting uh, for Nadal to get the job done. So we will leave you with the score at 6-2-3, love and juice. And if something extraordinary ends up happening, then we'll just have to look really, really silly for once. David Law, thank you <laughs> for looking silly with me, potentially, on this podcast with Bryn. The Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport and with Tamara Glennie and Ella Ehrlich. Thanks both very much to them and we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.